Aloha, aloha, my kako. Rainy today in Honolulu. So nice. Riches from the sky. And today we're talking about plant medicines. Living plants, many growing wild here in Hawaii that can produce transformative psychedelic experiences. In 2017, the Food and Drug Administration classified psilocybin, a compound commonly found in mushrooms across Hawaii, as a breakthrough therapy for treatment of depression and other long-term disorders. Dr. Thomas Cook is a psychiatrist. He's been practicing in Honolulu for the last six years. Patients come to him with insomnia, anxiety, trauma, suicidal ideation, chronic depression, PTSD, the full range. And in his practice, Dr. Cook finds that psychedelics benefit his patients at a time when so many are under added stress and anxiety. I have certainly seen depression rise, suicide thinking go up. I've had some of my long-term substance abuse patients that have been sober, alcoholics for a long time have relapsed. I've been dealing with a lot of increased demand for psychiatric services. Do you think that's true across other colleagues in your field? My colleagues around Honolulu report the same thing. And there's an uptick in child issues too, a lot of increased stress amongst children uh, because of just all the change we've seen the past year. What made you search for alternative therapies? Well, I got into medical cannabis about five or six years ago after my training. And in spite of my training, I was still biased against cannabis uh, after medical school at Northwestern in Chicago and, and residency here at UH in psychiatry. My combat veteran patients helped me to see the light and that led me down a, several years of reading and a, a kind of a, a rabbit hole of research that opened new doors of thinking for me where I, I thought outside the typical prescription box. And I got into all kinds of other alternatives, the main one being ketamine that we provide in our office. We do intramuscular psychedelic doses of ketamine in the office three days a week, and we see a lot of relief from depression that way. And then Wait that, a minute that, here. Help us. We don't know really what these treatments are that you're talking about that have proved so fruitful for, for your clients. Well, ketamine is a state-dependent form of healing where... The, what the does purpose, that mean, state-dependent? It's the purpose of the drug is to cause an altered mental state. You don't want the patient on the same drug every day. When you're on an antidepressant every day, you are numbed and you are in the same mental state every day. So you become less discriminatory and less perceptive about mood changes. So normally happy people when they're depressed, they notice it, they feel it as a foreign mind state, they do something about it. But depressed people lose that ability and, and people on a same antidepressant every day don't have much mood variation either. With a psychedelic that's taken sporadically or occasionally, you have a better ability to discriminate, make changes and adapt. And that's what you see in nature. When animals are depressed, some animals, as Ron Siegel has documented in his book, Intoxication, they seek out altered mental states to deal with trauma and to deal with loss. So he even points out there's a Hawaiian mongoose he observed who, when losing its mate, would eat the morning glory seeds, get dizzy and delirious oh. for a while. I mean, there's elephants that eat fermented fruit to get drunk on them, caribou that eat mushrooms, there's monkeys that eat mushrooms and appear to become very contemplative when they do. 
And so you see this sporadic occasional behavior in animals. Without addiction, you see sporadic behavior that's in response to a need for a different mental state. We have a lot of people today stuck in their minds and repetitive hamster wheel type negative thinking. And SSRI antidepressants. SSRI is, what is that again? These are the typical ones like Lexapro, Prozac, Paxil. These, these drugs don't relieve, they numb. They're essentially suppressive in nature. They don't liberate the patient from the um, solipsistic prison that they're stuck in. Hmm. So you found a way to somehow jump people out of those sort of mental ruts that we tend to run, right? Um, mm -hmm. How does it work to do that? Uh, you know, I, I wish we could use psilocybin in the office, but we do use ketamine because that's a generic drug used in anesthesia and it has psychedelic properties. So we do a shoulder injection. The person dissociates and goes into a trance state for about an hour and a half. So we want them in kind of a twilight where they lose a sense of me, myself, and I. And they can begin to, to think about themselves in the third person. And so what happens when a person is in that state, at least on ketamine, they are able to have a, a sense of compassion on themselves. Many of us would give very good advice to a, a sibling or a cousin or a friend who's suffering. Depressed people can't give themselves that same compassionate advice. They're very harsh on themselves. And when you dissociate, wow. you lose that sense of the first person. And you see that negative self-talk as kind of foreign. Wow, I'm talking negatively to myself all the time. And these thoughts, they're not necessarily me. They're not necessarily helpful or healthy. I can begin to view them as somewhat foreign, uh, not as voices the way a schizophrenic would see them, but you see them as harmful for the first time. Wow, why do I do this to myself all the time? Now that's the advantage of an altered mental state. No antidepressant, no Lexapro, no Prozac is going to give the person an insight that will numb the depression, but it won't give these great insights. So I'm trying to change the paradigm of treatment to state-dependent healing. So you're saying mental state-dependent. Yeah, you could be in an altered mental state and learn from the experience and help that lead you to heal from a depression. People that seek out psychedelics to heal, they're not drug-obsessed people. These are people that are seeking not the drug, but the experience, and they don't need the, 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 the drug. Okay, Obviously, psychedelics are abused like anything. But the point with psychedelics is the altered mental state and the learning from the experience that comes with that. These sorts of patients need a solid holding space with a good talk therapist before delving into psychedelics because it can open a can of worms. They can feel psychologically vulnerable. The first time uh, on ketamine in my office, they may cry a great deal. And then the second time they come in, uh, you know, weeks later, they may just be totally different. They may have a great experience. PTSD makes people afraid of vulnerability, but vulnerability is some of the sweetest experiences of life. Falling in love, being uh, in a trance state when you're at an opera, when, when you feel very vulnerable when you're listening to art or music, when you're watching any, any, any very deeply human thing is gonna involve vulnerability. And so that, you know they're missing out on, on life. They need to re-enter that feeling of vulnerability without the trauma. So a psychedelic for them can reteach them how to enjoy vulnerability. 
the psychiatrists that are trying to get away from Prozac and Lexapro and the drugs that have been around since the 90s and overprescribed, these doctors are the doctors that are helping usher in the, the psychedelic renaissance with psychedelics, especially because it's countercultural still, because you're seeking an altered mental state. You're seeing uh, people seeking healing through a user operated method. They are using their own inner healing intelligence to find a solution. And the psychologist, the talk therapist, or the person who's the psychedelic guide, so to speak, or the doctor, they're, they're helping facilitate, but it's really the patient's own inner healing intelligence that, that heals them. It's healthy. It's, it's, it's one of the essences of being human. Right now, Harvard Medical School blog, I think I was just reading support for psilocybin therapy. Even the federal medical establishment has shown some openness towards even psilocybin therapy. Uh, you just wonder what the resistance might be. I think the resistance will largely come from big pharma uh, because big pharma really still operates under a paternalistic medical model where it's not about your mind state. It's about their drug and the receptors that their drug hits. But if you learn from an experience, you keep that learning and you don't need a lot of treatments. My patients don't get ketamine at Beyond Mental Health very often. I have patients that come in maybe twice a year, three times a year, and they're off antidepressants and they do better than they did before. They don't have problems with orgasm. They don't have problems with weight loss. They do so much better. If you think about the profit model that Big Pharma wants, that they, they want to sell 365 pills a year. That's really a model we need to get away from. And I think there have been movements with Ronald Griffiths and a lot of researchers that Michael Pollan ha has pointed out. They've re recognized what Big Pharma has done to psychiatry. The American pharmaceutical industry has really corrupted my profession. They have a model of treatment that is very reductionistic and doesn't give enough to the, the patient's sense of agency and the patient's sense of spontaneity and looking to use their own uh, healing and learning. But if you learn from an experience, you keep that learning and you don't need a lot of treatments. We do need to regulate toxic drugs and chemicals and things, but uh, psilocybin is non-toxic. And ketamine, for instance, in my office, ketamine is not reimbursed by HMSA. Still, it's several hundred dollars per treatment at my clinic. It's a generic drug from the 70s, okay? It's cheap. You can order it cheaply. The procedure is not reimbursed, yet ketamine is the only drug that's been shown to reduce suicidal thoughts. Did you know that? Prozac, Lexapro, none of these other drugs, no brand name antidepressant has ever been shown to reduce suicidal thoughts or behavior. And ketamine has, lithium has a little bit and olanzapine has, a little. that's an antipsychotic, but uh, ketamine has strong evidence that it reduces suicide and yet it's not covered by insurances. Why? The reason why ketamine's not reimbursed and people have to pay out of these out-of-pocket boutique prices for psychedelic ketamine treatment in my office is because it's a generic medicine and the FDA is not interested in approving generic medicines. Big pharma, has relationships with the FDA to promote brand name drugs. So the focus of the FDA is to focus on brand name, the latest and greatest, the new drug. But generics work better. Ketamine is a generic psychedelic drug from the 1970s that outperforms any antidepressant, and it's still not reimbursed.
there's a social justice issue there where people who can't afford ketamine can't get the best treatment that will reduce their suicidal episode. That's really a problem, I think. In this new model in psychiatry, I think we need to have profound respect for the process, right? You can harm a person too through these procedures and psychedelic gurus and ayahuasca retreats can be a real problem for uh, sexual abuse and other things. But at the same time, because of the vulnerability and the lack of sense of self can also lead to profound healing. So this is a time of shift in my field where we need professionalism more than ever before. We do need a strong sense of ethics and principles as we get into this type of treatment. Psilocybin is going to get absorbed by big pharma somehow, as is cannabis. That's the next challenge. You mean how, how to, how, how to how protect the real substance and how to protect it from patency manipulation. And unless we get changes to uh, how drugs are branded and managed in the U.S., we're going to just have ongoing issues. And yet it grows out of cow pies in Waimea. I know. And you'll always be able to get it. Dr. Thomas Cook is a psychiatrist practicing in Honolulu. His clinic is called Beyond Mental Health. Dr. Cook has seen positive results in people with depression through the use of a psychedelic he administers called ketamine. Now, I'd like you to meet Ashley Lukens, co-founder of The Clarity Project. Their goal is expanding legal psychedelic therapies in Hawaii, and they're behind legislative efforts to legalize psychedelics for clinical use here. For Lukens, it all started when she discovered she had brain cancer. In 2017, I found out that I had a large brain tumor in my right occipital ridge and went through a, you know, pretty life-changing cancer diagnosis and cancer journey. There's no remission in brain cancer, so you live with it until you don't live anymore. I feel really optimistic about my treatment plan. And part of that has been because of my relationship with psychedelics and namely psilocybin and ayahuasca. What are you referring to? Tell us about this, these two treatments that you've been exploring. I think a cancer diagnosis for anyone is really overwhelming. I was a single mom working in nonprofit and the prognosis on my cancer is seven to 11 years, which in brain cancer world is amazing, yeah. but for a 36-year-old with a child, that's devastating. Not enough. You know, you wonder, well, how can she speak so level-headedly about something as potentially devastating as that? And I'll say 100% of my ability to process my diagnosis and access a sense of, of hope and resilience is because of psychedelics. Okay. Um, how, did, how did that work for you? Most people using psychedelics therapeutically will dose a high amount of psilocybin, or in my case, I've also used ayahuasca. Psilocybin is a chemical compound in a mushroom. Ayahuasca is? 
a combination of a root and vine. It's a Peruvian plant medicine. It's probably one of the most well-known psychedelics on the market. It grows here in Hawaii. It's legal for ceremonial use, meaning that if you're a member of a church of ayahuasca, you can take ayahuasca as a part of your religious rites. We're not just talking about like intentional recreational use. This is use that is in conjunction with a therapeutic plan, namely one that's administrated by a therapist who's trained in psychedelic integration therapy or a psychedelics integration coach. So you have somebody there helping you throughout your journey. This isn't noodle dancing at a rave. This is you in a therapeutic setting, normally in the dark. Really? Yes. Okay. Um, how long? So it's a very much a guided experience. And the protocol, as it's been standardized, is very much rooted in the research that originated at Johns Hopkins University. They're the research institution that's done the longest clinical trials on the therapeutic efficacy of psilocybin. Although these days I feel like every week I get an email about a university creating a new center for psychedelic studies. So it's very much in vogue in the medical community. But what- Of those those studies, and there are many. Yes. Which, what of the research really does impress you? Well, it depends on the research. It depends on the substance. It depends exactly. on what you're looking for. So uh, w- people just can be barraged with research and kind of go, yeah. For me, when you look at the efficacy of these substances in resolving long-term mental health issues, I get really excited because right now the fields of psychology and psychiatry really only offer symptom management. They don't offer resolution. I think COVID has really taught us that like mental health is intimately tied to physical health. And if we don't have relief from depression, anxiety, it's hard to live fully. What I've learned in running Clarity Project and all of the anecdotal stories that we hear from intentional users of psychedelics is that these substances are changing their lives. And the research is there to verify what our human stories and anecdotal evidence has been telling us for years. And I'm just another one of those anecdotal stories. As you're experiencing it, Ashley, how does that happen? Yeah, I mean, most of the time you're (laughs) laying on a mat in a dark room. There's no lights. Um, You're there with either a facilitator or a shaman or an ayahuasquero, somebody who's trained to administer the medicine. And you take a dose normally And in my experience, the first 30 minutes to almost an hour of absorbing the medicine is intense physically. Um, And you can experience purgative effects, which means you could throw up, 
you have to go to the bathroom, you sweat, your body temperature sort of gets dysregulated and you drop into a psychedelic state. Um, so for me, in my early dosing of psychedelics, I did a lot of returning to my childhood. You're there in the room with yourself as a child, but you're sort of able to relate to that self. So in my case, I'm in my childhood room with my depressed 14-year-old self, and I'm telling her, like, nothing's wrong with you. Everything that's wrong is happening out here in your world. You are okay. You did nothing wrong. And you have this opportunity to like comfort your childhood self. Hmm. You start to make sense of the world through your child's eyes, but then you get to bring in your adult self. So it's like this real amazing opportunity to almost reparent yourself. So then when you move out of the psychedelic experience, Mm -hmm. you have this integrative healed inner child. So for me, the resolutions have come from releasing myself from stories that I made up a little as a little kid about the world. Maybe I'm too much. Maybe I did something wrong. Maybe I need to be quiet. Maybe I shouldn't speak my mind. I mean, those are stories we learn and integrate as our personality as young children. And as adults, sometimes Mm -hmm. we can be ensnared in those stories, despite knowing better by some work of magic, psychedelics helps rewire the brain so that we no longer start kind of repeating those sort of entrenched neuropathways that might hold us back. How did you feel after that first guided experience, let's say? I think For the first time in my life, I felt fully held and understood, not by others, but by myself. Like I did the integrating work that I needed to do to understand what happened to me as a child and to no longer let that hold me back as an adult. And so it's interesting, you, you bring it back to the cancer journey in, in this book, Radical Remission, they said, one of the key factors to healing from cancer is purging negative emotions and negative stories. And for me, releasing myself from my loneliness and pain that I experienced as a child, I feel has significantly contributed to my amazing physical health health outcomes as a cancer patient. So my scans continue to be clear. Now, are they clear because of all the work that I'm doing physically to just remove bad toxins from my environment, eat healthy, take supplements? Maybe, but I'm Wait a minute, your brain scans are clear, don't show cancer cells. Was that gradual? Well, I mean, I had brain surgery and after my brain surgery, there was a spot, a residual 
tumor. And prior to starting chemo and radiation, but after an intense life reboot and after my psychedelic experience with ayahuasca, that spot was gone. And since my 2018 chemotherapy and radiation, I've done ayahuasca on three separate occasions and I've done psilocybin once. All four of those experiences have helped me to connect with my community, understand my purpose in life, again, release these toxic narratives that I had about myself. And I mean, that's something that really excites me about the work we're doing with veterans. Our veteran community is in crisis. More veterans die of suicide than soldiers die in combat. The VA has actually just signed on to participate in clinical trials because they recognize that the solutions on the table aren't working. How do you change your mind? Like that's the title of Michael Pollan's book on psychedelics. Right. You know, these are very entrenched neural pathways that get formed really before we have a choice on the life we're living. So to be an adult and actually regain some level of efficacy in determining your thought patterns and your personality is pretty powerful. Now, there are non-psychedelic ways to do that. People achieve that through meditation. They achieve it through mindfulness. They achieve it through psychoanalysis. So I don't think that we're arguing that this is the only way. But I would argue that there are a lot of people that do not attain the clarity that psychedelics provide you through meditation and through psychoanalysis because there's a firmly entrenched mental block. And psychedelics have just shown time and time again to help you overcome that barrier. Ashley Lukens is co-founder of The Clarity Project. Their goal is expanding legal psychedelic therapies in Hawaii. Just this past summer, the New York Times reported the Veterans Administration's begun at least five clinical trials testing the effectiveness of psychedelics for treating PTSD and other disorders. Steven Anderson is a Vietnam veteran. 70 years old, he volunteered for the Army in 1970. He came back, he says, to a world that he felt he needed to protect himself from. And that involved considerable self-medication. It got to the point where my son came up and said, Dad, you're going overboard with this drinking and and smoking pot. And I've been taking antidepressants and everything. He said, there's some new therapy with psilocybin that can clear up a lot of the cobwebs in your mind. I listened to him and I went to got an experience with psilocybin. Where, here in Hawaii? It was in Maui. In Maui, I went to their home and they they put a lot of uh, candles and things and music and they gave me some psilocybin. 
and they they stayed right next to my side the entire time and i got such a big feeling a lot of my emotions were washed with this and my brain and heart were connected again and i started to feel good about myself what and did you I, feel during the experience steve i felt like my chest rose up and that i i was um really levitated and i felt like um so so happy and so i remembered i kept saying the word oh i remember i remember i remember so much somehow my brain was connected with all these memories that were before vietnam as well as right now but we just sort of skipped over the whole thing it it just made my life happy again and they assured me i i, I took a lot you mean you took I, a I lot just, of psilocybin yeah i did you're talking about that one yes episode. Okay. one time with uh -huh. the therapist uh -huh. and then afterwards they gave me some uh follow-up mushroom uh therapy called microdosing that uh is like five different kinds of mushrooms they are rekindling in a very small way my great experience and the great experience comes back with these micro mushrooms and i just remember did you figure something out that suddenly what's the cause of this feeling so great <laughs> I, it was just some sort of awareness that came over from from taking the mushrooms this awareness came over a clarity came over in my thinking and i started uh remembering things, things my emotions like feelings i remembered having feelings and uh the feelings were attached to things in my life that were very important to me and love and feelings of happiness and i sort of blew away anything else that i was thinking about because i suddenly was very calm and happy and emotional and once i got over the great rush of the celebration i can now just tinker with it like having a cup of tea uh instead of taking antidepressants i take microdose and it's much better for your body and your mind because it attaches it attaches to your heart somehow and that that's a healing thing it really is when did you have your celebration i had it about 3 weeks ago just last month okay. i was i was high for four, between 4 and 6 hours i was fine after that and then the next day uh, was the most important integration day we took a nice little walk out in the on the trail in maui enjoyed a little river and the trees and and the people and everything and i took a drive around the island and then after that i was fine the third day i got on a plane and came home no hangover did people look at you differently when you walked in the door immediately immediately I think it's a miracle. It actually is a miracle. Wait, now is, is somebody there? Is Chris your daughter, your wife? Like, could I just ask her for a second? Like would she talk yes, to me? Would she just say, Yes, you, Chris, would you mind? Yeah. Because I mean she knows you before and after. Yeah, she knows me. Hi. Chris, Chris, hi. Noe Tanigawa. I work for Hawaii Public Radio. And uh, you know, <laughs> so good to meet you. You know, Chris, so He came back from this experience. Were you expecting much? I was supportive of him doing it, and I think that 
there's a couple of things listening to him that I think is important to know. One is that he cried for almost six hours. So it was intense. But when he came back, I did see him very different. After Vietnam, he just shut down his emotions, like a lot of them did. He became a school teacher for 20 years, elementary school teacher. He went through the motions, got married, had a son, and then his brother committed suicide. That's when things started falling apart for him. And then when this mushroom, I think that what he experienced was very heavy duty, but what he got out of it really was life-changing for him. There's no doubt about it. Chris and her husband, Vietnam veteran Stephen Anderson, who experienced psilocybin therapy on Maui. I was talking with Duration about the potential for psychedelic therapies in Hawaii. She's project manager for the Clarity Project, the only nonprofit in Hawaii leading advocacy for access to psychedelics, primarily therapeutic access. Their new board includes local doctors and healthcare providers and national heavyweights in the legalization of psychedelics. You might want to check out their site. Duray was talking about recent New York Times reporting on the reemergence of research into psychedelic therapies. The thing is, these mind-altering substances do things for people who aren't suffering, too. I experienced a mind-blowing sort of activation of senses, maybe you'd call it, when I tried them in the past. And Duray said she's had similar experiences when she experimented with psychedelics in college. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's what it was for me was just seeing the world from a more beautiful and more peaceful place. And, you know, we talk about all these people who really need the medicine, but I think all of us, there's a part of our consciousness that could be more at peace, that could be more calm, that could be more understanding and empathetic. And um, I do think a lot of these medicines can facilitate that. So you know, I believe that it is the future to allow access to to these therapies kind of for people who really need it and for people who might not think they need it and could benefit from it anyway. You know, and we've been using drugs and substances throughout the history of humankind, alcohol being the perfect example, and coffee being another one that we use every single day. And so I don't really think people who use any substances like those have a room to judge you know, these other ones that have been proven to be much safer and less addictive. The actual feeling that you get is, um, I don't know why it's so strange, but it's almost of this unity. I don't know if that's a common, if that, is there anything in common that people's experiences seem to have? (laughs) Yeah, no, I think unity is the perfect word. Um, Most people describe this oneness realizing that they're apart and everything's a part of each other. And so this interconnectedness, which is funny because I remember learning about this in my religions class with Buddhism and um, other religions. And then when, you know, you take, you have the psychedelic experience for a lot of people, you really feel that in your body. And I think that is so amazing to take this concept that feels spiritual and yes, you know it in theory, everything's connected, but then to really just feel it at a deep level inside of you, especially in the polarized times we live in, I think can be very healing for our society. But yeah, 
that's right on the right on the money. That's how a lot of people describe it. And in the John Hopkins study, over 70% of people who took the psilocybin said that it was the most meaningful spiritual experience that they've ever had in their life. And so, you know, the power of that is it's hard to measure. Shin, project manager for The Clarity Project, the only nonprofit in Hawaii leading advocacy for access to psychedelics. There are a couple of entertaining articles in The New Yorker. One from 2016 describes an ayahuasca boom in the U.S. Another one printed earlier this year describes how one advocate of smoking toad for psychedelic rebirth appears to have kind of gone off the rails. But for reading... Michael Pollan's book, How to Change Your Mind, he does for psychedelic drugs what he did for eating plants in 2006 with his book, The Omnivore's Dilemma. Recommended reading, or there are tons of talks out there. (laughs) So, wishing you a life perhaps just mildly elevated. Till we meet again. Ahuiho. Much aloha.